Welcome to the Intention Training Podcast, where we talk about training, mindset, nutrition, wellness, and self-care. We're back. Back on our bullshit. Oh, back to back on our bullshit. Bleep. (laughs) Can we start? Okay. Go. Welcome back to the Intention Training Podcast. This is Season 2, Episode 7. Today we're going to talk about training for sport performance. Um, If you missed last week, we talked about training for strength. Make sure you go back and check that one out. Uh, Before we get started, Jen, do you want to update the people on what you've been doing? How did this last week go for you? Um, It went really good. I finished um, a book called They're There by Tommy Orange. And it's about, like, being indigenous in contemporary times and and what that looks like and feels like. And I thought that the author was super poetic in his narration and the way he described um, how indigenous youth and older people felt was spot on. I mean, I'm only one person, so I can only say what I know, but um, I was able to relate to it a lot. My training was pretty good this week. Um, I've been having a lot of fun doing yoga. Shout out yoga with Adrian <laughs> on YouTube. Um, that's my girl. Um, Ate a lot of proto. Yes. Oh, my God. There is an Etsy shop called D's Delights or something like that, and she makes protein cookie dough and it's edible like you're not made like meant to make cookies with it but it's so good and I ate so much of it because I got like seven tubs for my birthday so yeah that was my week what was your week like my week was pretty good too it was really fun watching the first couple parts of the Jordan documentary the last dance um last Sunday looking forward to the next two parts tonight um other than that i'm trying to keep up with school online school is pretty tough but we're making it through uh and i'm just trying to stay on track for my show which will hopefully go on in july so Mm -hmm. training hard dieting is is tough i've been um doing a bit of intermittent fasting in the morning when i have classes and stuff I, i choose not to eat until right before i train around 11 which i've never really been into fasting so that's a different uh, journey for me, but it's it's been good so far. Um, I can't really complain. I feel the weather was good, which was mm-hmm. a nice change, and I feel lucky to be safe and healthy. So yeah, I also forgot to mention that I got into grad school. Woohoo! So that's exciting. It was already an online program, like originally, so it's not going to be much of a change. Um, so that's coming up too. Today we're going to be talking about training for sports performance. So before we really get into it, we thought it might be kind of fun to like reminisce a little bit and let you guys into kind of how we fell in love with sports or what pushed us to um, continue playing sports through high school and then and really beyond. Like we still love to go and play baseball and basketball when we get a chance. Um, We've been playing a lot of games of horse on our skills basketball hoop in our apartment just just because I don't know, there's not a whole lot to do. I think I'm like... 11 and 0. What? So, no, I won a game. Okay, you won once. I yeah. won one game. 11 and 1. Toby won a game. To our our cat is... He, he's, he's a baller. He's the real deal. <laughs> okay. All right, what were we talking about? Um, Reminiscing, yes. Reminiscing. So what are some of like your earliest and most fond memories of playing sports? Or like what got you into it? 
Well, my parents put me in a lot of sports because they wanted me to stay out of trouble. So mm-hmm. I was in sports year round and I never really did any specialization until like late middle school when I started playing volleyball for multiple seasons out of the year. Like so that's club, um, regular season. I guess I I did clinics in the summer, but we never had a ton of money for it. Um, so that's and then in high school I wasn't just a one sport athlete either. I did multiple sports. Um So what did you play or do in high school so I did volleyball um and then I started with softball because I played that um I played like some variant of baseball um up until probably sophomore year and that's when I quit softball because it just like it was cold outside (laughs) and that's not fun um and there's bugs in your face and then I started doing track and got in that game a little late. I did pole vaulting and sprinting. So, yeah. I never really trained in the off season for sports. Like, I would do powerlifting on and off, but I never did thing li- like train thinking, oh, okay, this is going to make my vertical higher, which desperately needed to happen <laughs> if I was going to play, like, volleyball at a higher level. But, um, yeah. I can just recall being like really, really little and um, back when my, my dad was around, we would, when my older sister would like go to the bus stop in the morning and we'd pick her up af- in the afternoon before I was old enough for school, he would ask me like, do you want to bring a baseball or a basketball? And I'd be, I would always say both and we would bring both and we'd like play catch on the way there, dribble a ball on the way back. And really like ever since I can remember, I've been just like fascinated by buy balls and stuff. That's what she said. <laughs> Pause. Mm. And um, I don't know. It's sports for me. It's a huge part of my life. Definitely. I think it, it's about a lot more than just a game. So throughout my whole life, I had been really involved in sports. And in high school, um, I played soccer for, for my first two years, and then I, I played basketball and baseball throughout until I broke my wrist my senior year, so I missed that basketball season. Um, baseball was definitely my best sport, and I have a lot of fond memories like playing in tournaments growing up. I got a, the opportunity to go to Cooperstown, New York for a tournament, which was New really York. sweet, um, and see like the Baseball Hall of Fame and stuff like that, which was awesome. So it, it provided a lot of opportunities and helped me form a lot of relationships. So I'm really grateful for for that. And that's kind of like how I fell in love with sports. But like, so what did you do when you weren't playing sports? Like, or were you just always playing sports and you never really had that time to... To like train? To Yeah, or, so, or not even like train conventionally, but like to grow. Yeah, Um. so I never really specialized either. I would play, I played sports year round until... I, um, like I said, my after my sophomore year, I quit playing soccer. And I only really played soccer because my friends played and, and stuff like that. I was never super serious about it. But I was pretty serious about baseball, less so about basketball. But funnily enough, basketball is my favorite sport. It's just the one I enjoy the most. But so when I was younger, things I would do outside of sport to like try and get better was just watch it, watch it on TV. I, I was really like really I, I've always been someone who can push myself like I don't really need that 
I don't need someone to go tell me to work on my game. So I would be like uh, out in front of my house throwing a ball off our front steps and fielding ground balls and stuff like that. Or I was constantly over at the basketball court. Um, And then I would like, you know, just watch YouTube, watch highlights of my favorite players, things like that. Um, It was it was a pretty constant thing for me, for sure. Um, So then I have a question for you. You said you didn't like you didn't spend a lot of time training for sports outside of actual practice. Mm-hmm. If you could change that and, and what, why do you think it's important that people do that? That people spend time working on their sport outside of just practicing the sport? I think that, um, okay, well, I kind of want to tackle I think that the first thing you were trying to get at is if I would change that for myself. Yeah. I don't, I actually don't think that I would because I feel like, and this isn't, this isn't the way it's supposed to be, but just the way it happens to work out. When you're training for a sport outside of your sport, um, most commonly they're going to want you playing that sport year round and you're not going to get a lot of exposure to like, other sports and you might become more athletic and more well-rounded in that training but it's still requiring you to dedicate a certain amount of um sports specificity to your life um and I don't think that I would have had the chance to play in so many like because I did a lot of things growing up like I did wrestling and Mm -hmm. um I did soccer and basketball before I in gymnastics before I ever even tried volleyball and so I'm really glad that when I was younger I didn't get that super specific sports performance training um, in terms of one of those sports because then I might not have ever played volleyball but like I said that's not the way it should be it should be especially like depending on what age you are preparing you for just living a strong and stable life and teaching you how to be a resilient athlete in whatever sport you're playing because most sports are the same like in that the first two steps are going to be probably your best steps or probably the most important steps and you need to move in all planes of motion and blah 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 so I mean a season or two of that would have been nice but not just preparing for the next gymnastic season when I'm like eight years old um yeah I have a couple things to say about that I think uh you can correct me if I'm wrong here but when I think one of the huge benefits of playing multiple sports is like you said you're exposed to different movement patterns you have to develop different skills and they all require they they all have different demands in terms of how you're expending energy for example soccer there will be times when you're you're standing still or walking on the field and then you have to sprint for 30 seconds all out to try and beat someone to a ball okay maybe not 30 seconds I was but, like dang um every sport is different so they all develop different qualities and that's why I think it's so key for young people to be exposed to different sports plus you get the benefit of you're not going to be the best at every sport and and that's going to teach you a lesson you learn how to be on a team and you learn how to be by yourself because wrestling isn't a team effort whereas volleyball is and I another huge part of sports for me is like the culture aspect because 
I love how like basketball and shoes are kind of intertwined, like the sneaker culture and the hip hop culture, like that's kind of intertwined. So I, I just am really grateful for sports and it really is hard not having them on right now. So the Jordan documentary is a, a nice saving grace. This is the Roy Love Sports Podcast. <laughs> well, I just wanted to like give a pe- give the people an idea of like why I care so much about sports and yeah. what they mean to us. What was the other part? That um, so I just wanted to kind of dive into my background in sports performance training and what I've learned so far um, or who I've learned from so far, what environments I've been exposed to. So throughout the past couple of years, I've been doing various internships. Um, you all probably know by now, but if you're, you're new, I guess you don't, that I'm an exercise science major, psychology minor, and I'm kind of exploring different graduate school options, trying to decide what I want to do. But um, I always thought physical therapy was, was the way to go because it's got a big salary, it's a stable job market, and there's a high demand for it. Uh, but after shadowing some physical therapists and kind of seeing the environment they work in, I just found that it, I don't think it's really for me. Um, but I've had the opportunity, I interned at Augsburg University with strength and conditioning, so I got to see what collegiate strength training is like um, at the D3 level. And then I also had the opportunity to intern at the Training House, um, which is a private facility affiliated with Twin Cities Orthopedics. And um, I got to see some amazing stuff there. They have like all the top of the line equipment. Um, My supervisor, his name is Bill Welly. He has worked with Randy Moss, um, just various athletes that at a very high level. So I feel really lucky to have gotten that opportunity. And one thing I learned there that you brought up a little bit, Jen, is I don't think sports performance training has to be super specific. One thing they did there that I loved is while there were like those high level athletes, there were also small group sessions for kids who were in many different sports. And they had the group of kids all together, regardless of whatever sport they played. And for the first 15 to 20 minutes, we spent it all on the turf and we spent it working on things that are just important to be an athlete, like accelerating, decelerating. Um, change of direction, yeah. you know, things like that. I, like, uh, sports coaches kind of, or strength coaches like Chad Wesley Smith, and I'm sure countless others have talked about um, sports as a way of, like, preparing for future sports performance. So, ideally, you would start your kids in tumbling, and then you would throw in gymnastics, swimming, track and field, Um And that is not necessarily so that they'll become like a star in one of those sports, but because those sports all teach great movement patterns, coordination, Mm -hmm. they build confidence. And they're just like we've talked about before, there are benefits to just playing and exploring movement. And Mm -hmm. so I really loved that they did that. Um, That's the bulk of my experience thus far in terms of sports performance. So it's still very early on. But um, one thing that draws me to it and one reason why I really wanted to do this podcast is that I mentioned a little bit before, but I was very serious about baseball early on in high school. Um, our school wasn't very competitive, so I'll say that up front. But as a freshman, I was the only freshman to make the varsity team and I was named a captain my sophomore year. So I sort of felt like I was on track to to play in college um, at a pretty high level. And then somewhere along that line, it got to the point where 
skill wasn't quite enough anymore because that's kind of what I relied on. I was never the biggest person. I was never the strongest person, but I was very skilled and I had kind of like the intangible things that an athlete needs, the work ethic, the leadership, things like that. But in terms of physical attributes, that's sort of where I was lacking. So somewhere along the line, it's not that I, I didn't have good seasons or anything like that, but I feel that had I had the, the right resources, had I known, I, I can't tell you how many to- hours I spent like down in my basement lifting weights because I thought, and of course I still lift weights, but not like I did back then because there was just no structure to it or I had no coach to tell me, you need to work on your power. So we, I want you training in with low repetitions, a moderate load and moving it as fast as possible. I didn't have anyone to tell me that. I thought lifting is lifting and lifting is going to make me stronger. And I thought running was running and running is going to make me faster. So I'm out here running miles thinking it's going to make me faster. And some of you might be like, well, you're just an idiot then. But I, I didn't. Or some of you might be like, is that not true? Right. I, I didn't know any better. I didn't have this guidance. South High School, our former high school, does not have a strength and conditioning coach. And that is just unfathomable to me. And it's so sad because there's so much talent that comes out of there. Mm-hmm. And some people, we have friends who have been able to. Uh, overcome that and still play at a high level and I have a ton of respect for them um, for that but I do feel like that that you shouldn't have to get lucky like there should be people there for you that want to see you do that and there should be a a hired position to help gear you 100% and I think everyone should have the opportunity to reach their full potential and I don't really feel like I got that because I didn't have the know-how or the mentorship to get me there so I, I i had all the things you needed to be the best player i can be but i don't feel like i ever got to and that's not to say i i could have played in college I, I could have played at a d3 school um but because of financial things and i just i don't know i i chose not to um but that's why i get so fired up about the sports performance training is because even now i have some kids who are at South and they have the opportunity to play at the next level and I want to do anything I can to help them get there and not just get there but but thrive there and so that's why I get so fired up about this stuff and I just wanted to be able to give like kind of an overview of where I'm at right now with sports performance training and how I look at it right now. And I want to mention that I still have a long way to go and a lot to learn. Um, like I said, I I never had um, like a personal trainer or a strength coach to myself. So I never learned like proper running mechanics. You see me struggling with this right now. I These are things that I have to learn how to sprint. <laughs> right, I, I never learned that. I have to learn how to do thing, things like A skips and B skips and things like that, these track drills that I go to the training house and that's what they, they expect me to know that, but I never got that because I'm at South and we don't have anyone teaching us this stuff. So I guess what I'm trying to say is that uh, I think strength and conditioning and training plays a big role in whether you succeed or not or what level you reach. So I hope that everyone listening takes that seriously and knows that it's not just the training that you get out of like strength and conditioning. It's, it's the mental aspect. It's the discipline. It's the consistency and the camaraderie you get with your team by going in there. So 
that's sort of where we're coming from by doing this podcast. And I feel like I've been talking a long time. So can you? <laughs> yeah. Do you want to um, hop into the structure of the podcast or do we want to take a few um, listener questions first? Uh, what do you think? I'd like to answer a question. Okay. Do you want to pull up questions you got? We really yeah. appreciate everyone who uh, contributed questions. We hope to get on an Instagram live somehow soon. I don't. I tried to do it before, but I couldn't figure it out. So, um, I have a question, and it's um, what power bar do we recommend for a basement gym, and then what kind of weight set? So, in terms of weight set, I don't think you need like calibrated kilo plates or um super name brand sets my dad has about like four different sets and i'm pretty sure he's gotten most of them from dick sporting goods um i know that they're doing curbside pickup right now it's likely that they're out of um like free weights but i know like i think it's fitness gear has he has that whole weight set um it's about 250 i'm looking at it right now um but yeah i would definitely say dick sporting goods and i know elite fts just released a new power bar and i think it's like 300 um it's pretty good i i don't think you need to invest in the full ohio power bar unless you really want to um anything like your garage gym doesn't need to be complete right now but i think those are good starting places yeah i would agree i think the kind of the gold standard for me is the rogue ohio power bar i really like those they they spin really well um and they're just very versatile so if you're gonna like spend the money that's probably the one i would recommend but in terms of plates um i think you're probably gonna get the most bang for your buck out of some bumper plates because it doesn't that's gonna take a lot of the stress away when you're thinking about like how you're gonna utilize them in terms of like dropping weights and things like that yeah and and if you have like concrete flooring you should think about getting mats but i think those are pretty cheap if you get them from like menards or something like that absolutely um then you can just like nail them or however yeah i would say anything you can get your hands on is gonna be good honestly yeah all right did you get any other ones i did i'm i'm not sure how to answer this one just maybe i can yeah i'm I'm not that knowledgeable about it, but so we got a question about increasing velocity for a pitcher in baseball. So I want, I'm going to, here's one thing you don't want to do. You don't want to mimic throwing a baseball with like a dumbbell. Like you don't want, (laughs) okay, you're obviously not going to throw a dumbbell, but a lot of people will be like, well, you need to get faster at the movement. So you need to get stronger at the movement. So we have to completely mimic it in the weight room. Yeah. And we have to do some like weighted throwing I motions. I mean, that's the same thing as like shooting a medicine ball yeah. for basketball or something. That's like just that. going to mean like you're throwing the ball you're throwing the ball way slower because you're practicing in the gym way slower. Just just because something looks like the movement that you're doing does not mean it's going to carry over. I think yeah. that's big to put out there because a lot of people, I feel like, are too creative almost to a fault where they're trying to like mimic a particular sport movement and really they'd be better off just doing a, doing a hinge, doing a squat, mm-hmm. things like that. When so. it comes to pitching velocity, um, so... So much of of 
of pitching velocity comes from the lower body and rotational strength. So things I would I would definitely work on lower body strength and power. Um, so doing some heavier squats, heavier deadlifts, and then mixing in some more speed style um, squats and deadlifts. Of course, doing your accessory movements um, to kind of fill up those leg muscles. And then I would also do quite a bit of um, in glutes. I think glutes for sure. Yeah. I would. I Hip think thrusts. Stability. Yeah, I mean. For sure. The, <laughs> I think stability is big as well. You just want to know that you can kind of own those positions that you have to be put in. Um, beyond that, mechanics are going to be huge. I, I, I know that people can easily put a couple miles an hour on their, on their pitches just by fixing mechanics. So um, I would definitely seek out an expert there or even just check out YouTube and see what you can find. Um, oh, yeah. I know Eric Cressy. He works with a lot of professional baseball players, and they've got a great um, vault of videos on YouTube. I would one other thing that I would definitely spend a lot of time with is a lot of um, upper body plyometrics, like with a medicine ball, um, a lot of rotational throws, chest passes, things like that. And then on top of that, you want to make sure that you have good thoracic mobility. If you don't know what that means, um, I think Cressy Sports Performance is a good place to look at that, but. Basically, you're putting a ton of stress on your your shoulder and in your upper back and your upper back when you're pitching your T-spine. Mm-hmm. So it's important to make sure you have the requisite mobility and that you're stable in those positions, as well as strengthening all your rotator cuff muscles so that because your I've said this before, but your shoulder is one of the most mobile joint. It is the most mobile joint in your body. So therefore, it's also the least stable. The more mobile a joint is, the less stable it is. So it's a gift and a curse that we have such great range of motion at our shoulder. But if I had to dumb it down, I would say start by working on your mechanics, then work on stability, then work on strength, then work on power, and then finally transfer it to plyometrics. And these things can all be happening at once as long as you go about it intelligently. So they should just reach out to you if they have any further questions. <laughs> I mean, you definitely can. But like I said, I think Cressy Sports Performance is also a great place to be. So can you spell that for me? Um, C-R-E-S-S-E-Y. Cressy. Okay. Um, all right. Did, was there any other questions? No. I didn't get any. All right. I got a few here. Um, should, do you want to do those now or do you want to get into the meat Let's of knock them out. All right, let me pull them up here. Do, 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 <laughs> Would you mind uh, do, do, pausing it real quick so I can find them? I'll just talk as filler. Okay, I won't. Sorry. And we're back. We're back. Um, found the questions. So, first of all, I just want to say the spam ones are so funny. Do you get those? We get too? like, hey, babe, check out. <laughs> Everyone's telling me to check out their page. Random no. boutique or whatever. No, I don't want your page. Um, I, got, I did get a couple good ones, though. So, um, the first one it asks, how as trainers do you modify strength training programs for the in-season versus the off-season? So we're going to get into this a lot more in detail as we go on and kind of lay out our thoughts on sports performance training. But in general, the sport 
it's going to take precedence over strength training in season. So naturally, you're not going to have as many sessions um, with athletes. When I was working at Augsburg, um, like the amount you the amount of sessions decreases dr- tremendously from the off season to in season, and I don't think that's the best thing because I think the weight room can be really valuable in season, both for kind of peaking performance and for just maintaining strength and keeping injuries away. And so, motion is lotion. Motion is lotion for sure. Um, that cocoa butter, uh, that Jergens. Oh, okay. <laughs> um, so. Off season is kind of like your time to shine as a, as a trainer or a strength coach because you do want to consider what they're doing for their sport because a lot of people will have like they'll, they'll be doing something in the summer hopefully for their sport um, and I think in general if they're with a coach their coach is pretty much going to take care of conditioning because you're doing a lot of running for the sport itself and most coaches just love their killers and their their sevens their lines things like that so i wouldn't worry too much about conditioning in the off season unless you know that they're not doing anything else and then it might be more of a priority but other than that you're the off season is the time that you're focusing on getting them bigger stronger faster um pretty much anything you can do in the off season is free game in my opinion and then when you move to in season your main job as a strength coach is to make sure that they don't get hurt that they're ready for competition, that they're in peak shape for competition. So there are things you can do. I think people definitely should still be lifting during the season. Some people even lift like the day of games to kind of prime their nervous system mm-hmm. and make sure that they can, they're springy and they can produce a lot of force and they just are feel good going into a game. Um, but those are the main priorities I think in season are just preventing injury and peaking performance. Do you have any other thoughts on that? Um, not really. No, I think you covered it all. Okay. I got one more. Um, let's see. Okay. Another one I got was if you're not in any sports, but you want to train like an athlete, what do you think are the most important aspects to train when it comes to sports performance? I know it all depends and is relative, but what aspects do you think the average person should focus on if they want to move and perform like an athlete? Well, I think you're kind of doing that right now. Yeah, I definitely am. Like I, I mentioned earlier, I'm not I'm I'm not playing a sport competitively right mm-hmm. now, but about two times a week, I find time to do some plyometric training, do some speed training, um, just trying to do things like increase my vertical jump. Um, increase like 40 yard dash things like that just trying to be an athlete so if i had to give advice for what people should be focusing on if like it's not your number one priority but you want to be athletic um the best advice i can give you would be to move like an athlete so make sure that you're moving in all planes of motion that you're including some 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 stuff laterally some stuff i don't want to get too technical um but so, so this could be just like side shuffles. You could you could go for a short a great, run. Yeah, a great for place to start is one thing I love to do is even just before I lift, like find some time to do a dynamic warm up where you're starting by jogging, shuffling, karaoke. Then you're doing some skipping, some bounding, things that athletes do prior to practice or their games because that is incredibly important just for coordination. Um, so I, I think. 
that is a great place to start. I think like playing more catch too, because yeah, you're just, not just thinking. playing the sport too is, yeah. is a great way to go about it because you never, you don't think about it when you're playing, but like the way you have to react and move when you're reacting to a bad throw, when you're playing catch or like, um, grabbing a ball off, off the rim in basketball, it's relatable. I can totally do that. It's, um, it's like more reactive and more demanding than almost any training is going to be. So play the sport. Beyond that, I think working on um, horizontal jumping, like broad jumping, um, vertical jumping, and then your speed, um, both acceleration and top speed. These are all things I'm kind of working on because this is the stuff I never got. I never got to ran track. I never had a sports performance coach. So I, I don't have the mechanics or the like the background to know how to do it so I'm, I'm working through it and I'm learning myself which I think as a coach is super important because a lot of people will say if you can't do it you shouldn't coach it and mm-hmm. I, I, I pretty I prescribe to that so I'm making sure that I'm putting the time in to make sure that I'm able to work with track athletes and I'm able to work with football players even though I didn't play those sports so definitely pick up things here and there from different sports try them out make sure you're moving and that you're having to change direction and react to things and that you're working on your speed, your power. And so I would definitely include like some some higher velocity lifts. We've talked a lot about the difference between absolute strength where you're lifting the most load um, versus more dynamic effort lifting where you're working on moving something as fast as possible. I would definitely include some of that. Um, cause that's going to transfer over tremendously to like sprinting and jumping. Um, I think that's, that's pretty much what I got. That's what, that's what I'm working on. Mm-hmm. Um, and another thing that I think is important is I, I encourage people to film themselves doing their lifts and like for sprinting and stuff like that. There are tons of free apps where you can look at mechanics and kind of watch things back and critique yourself. And it's it's great if you have someone there with you to train because they'll see things you can't see. Um, another thing that athletes get that not everyone gets if you're just doing your strength work day in and day out is just like the integrity and elasticity of your tendons. So doing a lot of things like even just like jump roping, pogo hops, things like that are going to keep your ankles healthy and keep you kind of springy. So hopefully there's something in there. I I tend to ramble, but... I just let him. All right. That's all the questions. So we will finally get to the main stuff today. So, Jen, do you want to start with our general advice for training for sports performance? Here's, here's, Here's just, like, the gist of it. If you want to stop listening after this, like, you can be confident that you're gonna get good information. So general advice, get stronger because this is gonna protect your joints and help you absorb, utilize, and create force more efficiently. It's also gonna make you faster and a more physically, physiologically, mentally resilient athlete. Mm -hmm. So getting stronger is key. Second thing, get better at moving in all planes of motion. I think we already Um, covered that. We already covered that, so not just side to side, but like side to forward, side to backward. That combinations are endless people. <laughs> something, something I think that is really funny is like, yes, um, a 100 meter sprinter may not have to like run the curve. They may only have to run, you know, forward 
or in the sagittal plane if you're up on those terms. But does that mean that we shouldn't have them do lateral lunges? No, absolutely not. They need to be doing lateral lunges. They need to be doing hip internal external rotation. Mm. It You just have to be prepared. It's not just about accomplishing the task. It's about developing yourself as a well-rounded athlete. Yeah. So the third thing is to not worry too much about sports specificity in off-season training. Like we already said, this is your time to get stronger, to get bigger, um, to put on some mass, depending on your sport. I think experiment too. Yep, experiment. Um, But I think you should keep in mind the, the time of your plays or like the distance covered per play or per bout in your sport. So, um, how much work are you doing in it? Like depending on your position in baseball, when you're pitching versus when you're running bases. Um, so like if you're a hockey player, chances are you're doing about 10 seconds of hard work and then you're just kind of coasting on the ice. So incorporating multiple long distance runs of like three plus miles um, per week is not necessarily going to help you become um, a better hockey player or it's not going to get you in good hockey shape. That's like, there's a difference between good shape and then good shape for your sport. Game shape. Game shape. Because if you're in too good of shape, like there's a chance that you're losing some strength there. Um, and if you play football, I mean, that's probably not great. Yeah. Keep the goal the goal. Yeah. Um, the next thing is that this is kind of something people think is not as important or not true, but it is. So at least 50% of sports is mental. So you really want to figure out how you're going to dedicate time to mental performance. And, the, and this is like mental exercises, like visualize, visualization. Um, there's a book that I read for my sports psych class called um champion oh no elevate your excellence elevate your excellence and it's by christina heilman and it's a really expensive book but there's a few things in there that she talks about regarding um visualization for training days and visualization for game days and how that differs so i'm sure that information for that is online because now there's like positions of people who have this job for sports teams um have the job of gearing them so Figure, figure out how you're going to train your mental. I think one thing that definitely held me back and I think holds a lot of athletes back is the ability to like move on from making mistakes. Mm-hmm. Because if you make an error in baseball, like say a ground ball goes through your legs, I used to be very, very hard on myself when things like that happen. And it, it can be hard to not beat yourself up and move on to the next play. Like you can say it, but do you really believe it? That's that's kind of what it comes down to. So I think that's a quality everyone should work on. Being able to deal with when things don't go as planned and how are you gonna react? Mm -hmm. And also in terms of like how you prepare for a game and your mindset going into a game, I think this is something that's ever evolving. But if you actually devote time to developing these things, that that's really what sets or is going to set you apart. Because when you get to a certain level, everyone's fast, everyone's strong, mm. everyone has these qualities, but not everyone has the the mindset it takes. The grit. Last two in season, the sport has a priority. We've already talked about that, and then don't rely on bracing or taping or these aids all the time. So. Um, if you use like knee sleeves 
all the time. Don't rely on those. Um, I know a lot of girls in volleyball used to wear ankle braces like they were fashionable. And don't do that. Um, You don't always need to be wearing a belt because in the game you're not going to be wearing a belt. Yeah, I think I wrote that one, and I I wrote it exactly because of what you're talking about. I always see basketball players, like, they'll get taped before the weight room, and that makes no sense to me because this is the time that you should be working on the strength of your ankles and working on the range of motion of your ankles. So if they're taped, you can't do any of that. Mm-hmm. Also, when, we, when we're in shoes all the time, it, it just we were not meant to wear shoes like our ancestors did not wear shoes it was something that we developed because it's more comfortable Mm. but that doesn't mean it's better so i think it's definitely valuable to warm up barefoot sometimes squat barefoot sometimes i i usually lift barefoot you should you should i in my opinion and the strength not only will it expose like any mobility that you're lacking but the strength of your feet is a huge part of athletic performance even just like our big toe Mm. plays a huge role in keeping us stable statically and then helping us produce force dynamically. So definitely focus on strengthening your feet. Don't be braced or taped unless you absolutely need to be. Yeah. All right. So that's it for general advice. Now we're getting into the more nitty gritty here. Yep. I can take this part. So these are things to consider when you're talking about training for sports performance. Um, the person's the athlete's age and their training age so how old are they in in years and how long have they been strength training do they play multiple sports how many sessions a week will you have with them and for how long what are the demands of the sport in terms of movement physicality duration tempo energy systems etc so if i take that one by one when we're talking about that we're, we're looking at things like with hockey um their, their strides are naturally going to be a little bit more diagonal than just a, a typical like linear track athlete. Um, and they're going to require a lot more hip strength and rotation. That, those are things we want to be looking at. We want to be looking at how does the athlete move on the field. We want to be looking at how physical is the sport. There's a huge difference between football and... I don't want to throw any others. Golf. (laughs) I'll throw golf (laughs) under the bus. Um, Duration. Is it a 90-minute soccer match or is it hockey where you're playing in 90-second shifts? Tempo. Is it all out when you're in the game or is it kind of you have to be able to turn it on at the snap of a finger? Or like wrestling. Oops. Like wrestling, like how long are you? God, it's the worst. I can't imagine. Like when you think about UFC fighters and them like going – Three minute rounds, ten rounds. Like, have you tried to lift your leg up in the air? (laughs) It's really hard. Like, and multiple times. Yeah, it's crazy. Um, Yeah, that pretty much covers that. You also want to look at the resources you have available in terms of equipment. Um, Whether they're in season or off season, obviously. This one's big. Knowing the difference between speed and conditioning work. I think I spoke about this a little bit earlier, but like running a mile is not going to make you a faster sprinter. Very, it, it, maybe like in the slightest, slightest, but it's, it's not the you, most efficient way to go about it. It'll make you better at running a mile. Right, and if you are if you're doing 
if you're running and you're already tired, that's not speed work because you're not functioning at your top speed. That's conditioning. You're just working on your aerobic capacity. And I don't think a lot of sport coaches understand this. I think they think that when you're running killers back to back with no with 10 seconds rest in between, you're working on your speed. But the reality is you're just beating up your athlete and you're working on aerobic capacity, which is which is important. But it's definitely not the same thing. Speed work is all out and it's with optimal rest in between so that you can perform at your best on every rep. Make sure that you're getting in a proper warm up. Um, and then these are the kind of like the priorities. These are the things that we want to be focusing on developing. So back to that question earlier, if you are not in a sport, but you want to train like an athlete, these are things you should be working on developing rate of force development speed, optimizing mechanics for your body. And I think that's big, that last point for your body, because there are great, great athletes who aren't in a traditional sense athletic. Tom Brady is not in a traditional sense athletic, but he has an incredible ability to read the game and that sets him apart. And I think like there, sure, there are certain things when you're accelerating, you want to be at a lower angle than when you're running at your top speed. That That's going to be true for just about everybody. But when coaches get really like picky about their cues and we think everybody has to have their arms at 90 degrees and from face cheek to ass cheek, I've heard that one before. Um, elbow to ear. Elbow to ear when you're Ball. shooting a basketball. That's just not true for everybody. I think as coaches, we have to let athletes figure stuff out for themselves sometimes because we're really a lot smarter than we think and a lot of times your people go about things a certain way because that's the best way for them to do it so have an open mind there um jumping ability reactivity conditioning strength both producing and absorbing force and building tendon um resiliency and elasticity so you you want to improve the ability of your tendon to store energy and help you produce it Learn how to move efficiently. Learn how to problem solve on the field or the court or wherever. Be able to accelerate and decelerate. I know, I think people tend to spend a lot of time working on acceleration when really it's how fast you can decelerate and change directions that makes people elite in a lot of sports. So make sure you don't neglect that. Um, Being able to reach top speed faster and sustain it longer being able to push and work hard. These are all things that you should be working on if you're training for sports performance. So we'll get into a few of these things um, more specifically, and then we will finish with some take-homes. And that's what we're gonna do. Do you wanna start with plyometrics, Jen? My favorite. (laughs) All right. So for plyometrics, Um, Like we already talked about, you're going to want to do some work to build up your feet because this is going to strengthen your feet because like Roy said, we weren't really meant to to wear shoes and wearing shoes tends to compress your feet. Um, And when you don't wear shoes as much, your feet flatten. That sounds stupid, but it's true. And so you're going to get more balance out of that, more stability. One thing I wanted to add is that we don't typically think like this, but your 
your like your spine is connected to your feet. There is something called fascia that covers our muscles that runs all over our body in like different lines and your your feet if your feet are dysfunctional, you're gonna have dysfunction somewhere else too. Like if your feet aren't working properly, you may not be able to activate your glutes, which are key in sprinting and jumping. So it's it's that's really like the foundation. Yeah, like when I was having knee issues, my coach was like, well, all right, let's start by removing your shoes um, and learning how to root through your feet better. So yeah, start with um, doing some barefoot work there. Not all of it needs to be barefoot. Um, And then doing low level plyometrics, like jump roping. Most people can jump rope one way or another. Um, Pogo hops. Depth drops when you get a little bit more experienced and you develop more ankle integrity. Um, But training barefoot is going to allow for a greater range of motion um, in your ankle. And like gonna it's gonna allow you to to root yourself better so and by root i mean i'm when i root i'm pushing down through my big toe Mm -hmm. my little toe and my heel in Mm -hmm. a way that makes an arch um in my foot you you don't want to be completely flat-footed on the ground because then where your knee's gonna go your knees are gonna go in they're gonna um for most people so that's how you can start some plyometric work. When you get a little more advanced, um, you want to build to things like depth jumps, max vertical and broad jumps, skips and bounds. And you can do these things like one after the other. Like you can go from skipping to bounding or from side shuffles to forward sprinting. Yep. One thing to take into account is how much stress you're putting on your body with plyometrics. I wouldn't advise doing intense plyometrics more than two or three times a week. And I would definitely build to these more advanced exercises we're talking about. Um, When you take into account how, so gravity is, okay, let me not go there. But when you're jumping and gravity is pulling you down, that is a ton of force that you're, you're absorbing. And it's really hard on your body. So you just want to make sure that you're ready for that and that you're limiting and monitoring how much stress you're putting on your body. So I think really with plyometrics, more is less. And you want to make sure that you have adequate rest in between, not only to avoid avoid injury, but... Plyometrics is not a way to get... It's not a good way to get your cardio in. So if you're looking for something fast-paced and if you're going into a workout, like just don't don't jump. So with that said, I think it's pretty solid advice that think with things like vertical jumps broad jumps you never want to be doing in my opinion if if it's a maximal effort you never want to be doing more than three repetitions in a row because your output's just going to drop off and you're going to get hurt or you're going to tell your body that this is as hard as i can go so when when you try to summon all that force you're just going to get whatever you got on that last rep if that makes sense all right so typically lower reps here so to continue you can also weight these jumps um, let's move on to speed. yeah. Another great way once you get advanced um, is the complex complex and contrast methods where a lot of times you're doing like a, a heavy weighted compound movement like a back squat um, or a trap bar deadlift and you're pairing that with a plyometric movement like a box jump or a squat jump. Um, that's definitely something people can look into if you're a little bit more advanced. All right, let's move to speed. Okay, speed. So this is kind of my worst enemy right now because like I said, I have awful running mechanics and I was always like 
faster growing up because I was I was smaller and I was quick. But I have this thing going on where I just want to move as fast as I can, like move my body as fast as I can. But it comes back to bite me because I don't spend the time trying to actually push into the ground and produce force. So I just end up taking short strides that don't really get me anywhere. So the first thing you want to do is focus on learning proper mechanics. That's what I'm working on right now. Learning to accelerate. And some of my favorite ways to work on this are through falling starts, two point and three point starts, crossover steps, um, etc. You're also going to work on decelerating. You want to be able to do so with a stutter stop and with a strong stop um, laterally, rotationally in all planes of motion you want to learn proper posture for both top speed and acceleration like which we talked about is going to be different when you're starting in a sprint you're going to be a lot lower to the ground and you gradually rise up um and then finally working on your top speed my favorite way to do this is through flying sprints where you give yourself a little bit of leeway and you jog into a top speed sprint and then you give yourself a little bit of time to slow down and decelerate Weight room. You want to take weight room? Weight room. Base. Basically, you just want to get as jacked as possible. Well. That's what the research says. <laughs> okay. For the weight room, uh, it's really hard because people want to do a lot here because this is where they think the magic is going to happen. You want to be simplistic here. You want to focus on moving well because the movement patterns that you develop here are gonna translate to your sport. Um, and this, this isn't to say like the way you squat is gonna be the way that you crouch when you're wrestling or you crouch before a play in football, but it's gonna build that musculature so that you can explode out of that crouch as efficiently as possible. So focus on moving well first and quote unquote owning the positions required in your sport um so you're gonna want to progress to basic dynamic movements like squats cleaning um up after yourself (laughs) (laughs) bench pressing deadlifting dumbbell work is really um beneficial because a lot of people will develop um oh god what's that word I don't know. When one strong, when one imbalance, yes, imbalances in your muscles, um, and it allows for better muscular control and coordination. Um, as you get closer to your season, you're going to want to reduce load and increase velocity. So utilizing resistance resistance bands is going to be great here because you're taking some of that load off of your body, but working on pushing through those bands as fast as possible. Um, So instead of prioritizing absolute strength and rate of force development like you would be in the off season, the in season is gonna be all about being as powerful as possible, which does not require you to be lifting a ton of weight, just lifting weight really fast. Um, So yeah, this is, in season is when you're gonna kind of peak. you're and I mean I'm not gonna like lay out a whole peaky no, program I think, here. No, I think you covered it. I think that was good. The last thing to consider is gonna be balance and stability. Um, you want to include corrective exercises if you have any lingering injuries or issues um, or movement inefficiencies, if that makes sense. Um, there are things that. I've seen a lot recently that I've been doing, um, including just things like balancing on one leg, taking time to do that for like 
accumulate like three to five minutes each day, it's a lot harder than it sounds, especially if you're like, you have your leg extended or you have your leg up in a march position so that you're working on your hip flexors. Um, things like yoga and proprioceptively challenging things like working on a, a stability ball. I, right now we're doing training with our dog um, and it's requiring her to stand on like uneven surfaces or like surfaces that are slippery or like scratchy. So I think everybody should be doing <laughs> proprioceptively challenging work. One thing I hate though is like, I saw a ridiculous video from, I think it was just Bleacher Report or something mm -hmm. where this guy's doing like a man starting on his knees and then hopping up into a pistol squat with a bar on his back and then doing a single leg box jump onto a BOSU ball or something like that. Oh it's like the, the cost benefit here is I, just... What is that doing for you? I, I don't think there's anything wrong with standing on a BOSU ball, doing one leg balance on a BOSU ball. It's probably even beneficial. Um, but when you go when you go that far, it's like... It's like you really just want you to wanna get, get hurt. hurt. You want to get hurt. All right, we, we need to wrap it up. Okay, take homes. Find a coach who wants what's best for you. I think there are a lot of people that are, are in it for the money, in it for the clout. They want to say that they have an athlete who went D1, who went pro, um, or they want to just kind of exploit you in some way. So make sure that the person you're working with has great intentions. Number two. Number two, be consistent and intentional with your training. I was going to say that. Oh, sorry. Be consistent and, t and intentional with your training. So adhere to a schedule. Set like set something that you're going to be able to to do. And it's not just going to be some idea out in Neverland. It's, it's really beneficial to plan training out too mm -hmm. like think about what you're where you want to be in a year and then plan out how you're going to get there plan backwards so start with that day plan back all right and you, you got it number three balance skills training with sports performance so make sure that you you don't just live in the weight room or on the turf that you're actually putting in the time to shoot free throws make layups with both hands things like that and actually develop your skills number four Make training applicable to your sport. Use common sense here. Yeah, I, I wrote this one, and I think what I was trying to get across is that even if you don't think, like, I could see how someone would say, why am I doing this exercise? This isn't, this has nothing to do with my sport. But if you can find a way to make it applicable and think about how it's going to help you, then you're going to take it way more seriously and get a lot more out of it. Mm -hmm. And Lastly, be open to criticism. Ask your coaches and trainers what you need to improve on. Um, this is, that's hard. That takes a lot of courage and strength, but it's important because we can't always see our own flaws. Always work on being more coachable and always be a sponge because, you know, people might say some dumb things sometimes, but you don't want to miss the one time they say something smart. Yeah, and another, uh, one thing I didn't include that I wish I would have is I think there's something to be said about harnessing your strengths like really honing in on what you're good at um what is that dos minutos okay so I I don't think you should always be attacking a weakness I think it's worthwhile to spend time developing a strength as well you you could spend half your time working on right-handed floaters and half your time working on left-handed floaters if you're a basketball player. But would that really be better than spending more time on your right hand when that's your dominant hand 
and that's the hand you're going to be going to most of the time. Think about it like if you take that analogy to the three-point line, why are you, why would you spend any time shooting with your left hand? You've seen me shoot with my left hand, Jen. It's not pretty. Mm-mm. It's not pretty. Why would I spend my time trying to develop my left-hand shot when I'm a right-handed shooter? Just Do you see what I'm saying? Yeah. Take your strengths and run with them. Always work on your weaknesses and take this training stuff seriously. This is what is going to set you apart. All right, that concludes episode seven. We will see you for episode eight, which may or may not be an interview. We don't really know yet, but thank you for listening. Um, and Please rate, share, subscribe. LMS. <laughs> okay. <laughs> we right. appreciate everybody who listens. Ta-ta. Um, take care.